You say, what in the world do those Incredibles have to do with your message today? Uh, we've been in the middle of a series called Extraordinary Faith, Becoming Incredible for God. Did you know that your faith can make an incredible difference in your life and it can take you to a new level of being used by God? So we're inspired uh, by thinking about these these animated crime fighters so that uh, we can do greater things, greater exploits for God in our life. So we've been talking about extraordinary faith and what that looks like. And uh, this morning we're going to focus on the subject of increasing our faith. Increasing our faith. I don't have time today to review everything that we've done in our study this point, but what I would like to do is just give you a brief summary review of what we talked about last Sunday because it's very foundational to what we'll talk about today. So I'm going to read you a passage of Scripture, and then we'll review the three main uh, characteristics of faith that we talked about last Sunday. All right, here we go. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 27. Beginning in verse 27, and uh, you'll recognize this story, but listen carefully. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. And when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, him and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? So this is Jesus confronting the blind men. He said, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Then, verse 29, he touched their eyes and he said, According to your faith, it will be done for you. And their sight was immediately restored. And Jesus uh, went on to tell them uh, not to tell anybody about it. Of course, you know, they did. And uh, the word continued to spread about Jesus doing these great miracles. Now, I want you to notice the principle that we saw in that passage. Jesus said they, they needed a healing of their eyes. That was going to take a miracle, right? And Jesus said, do you believe? So he's asking people who had needs who were looking to him to meet their needs, he said, do you believe? And then he gave this principle. He said, let it be unto you according to your faith, which clues us into an important principle, which is this. Our ability to receive from God, our ability to receive answered prayers, our ability to tap in to what's going on in heaven, just like the Lord's Prayer says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, our ability to tap into that potential is dependent upon our faith. Be it unto you according to your faith. Now that is a guiding and governing principle about living by faith. So last week we talked about the three characteristics of faith. And just by review, in case you weren't with us, we learned three things. These are the the vital, uh, salient characteristics of real Bible faith. Now, there are certain things that people call faith that's not. I'm not talking about presumption. I'm not talking about weird things. I'm not talking about just intellectual, uh, cognitive ascents. I'm talking about real Bible faith. The faith that God says pleases Him. All right? So there's three characteristics and functions of faith. Number one, faith believes in the heart. We said that faith resides in the heart. It's a substance of the heart. It's not mental ascent. It is in the heart. 
faith in the heart. With the heart, man believes unto salvation. And then we found out that not only does faith believe in the heart, regardless of the circumstances, we believe, we know it's settled fact in our hearts, but then we notice the second characteristic of faith was that what? It speaks. Faith actually uses our mouth in order for it to be real faith. Our speech, our words have to line up with what we believe in our heart. So we believe God's word in our heart. Then we begin to speak it with our mouth. And we learn that even the worlds that we live in were framed by God's creative word. Let there be light. Hebrews tells us he did that by faith. So we want to have the God kind of faith, right? Mark chapter 11, verse 24, we want to have the God kind of faith. We have to do like God does. So we not only believe in our hearts, but with our mouths we speak. And number three, third characteristic is faith acts. At some point, faith cannot just stay in the heart and even just stay in the mouth, if we truly believe it that deeply, if it's real faith, it will begin to have actions. James tells us that faith without works, or I prefer the translation that says faith without corresponding actions is dormant and dead. It's useless. It's non-productive if there's not actions with it. So if we truly believe in our hearts this word from God, this promise from God, and we're speaking it, at some point we will begin to act like it. Listen, faith without actions will fail. It's actually, in my belief, it's not real, total, genuine faith. It's partial faith. Real Bible faith will take actions, and faith without action will actually fail. So we learn that these are three basic characteristics of real faith. So today we want to focus on what? Increasing your faith, how to grow your faith. And we're going to learn the importance of it, and I'm going to give you some guidelines on how to grow your faith, all right? And by the way, just FYI, I've decided to extend this series one more week, all right? So it's supposed to be done today, but I'm not done. So next Sunday, next Sunday, we're going to talk about faith killers, the things that always seem to just hurt and destroy our faith, right? Okay, so today we're talking about how to grow it, all right? So it's going to help you to understand a fundamental principle about faith, that there are different kinds of faith, different varieties of faith. The Bible speaks of three kinds. Number one, we'll just call this saving faith. Saving faith is mentioned, in, of course, a number of places, but for example, maybe the most specific one is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 that says that we are saved by grace through faith. So that is the faith that actually saves us, that makes us new creatures in Christ, that we move from death to life, that our sins are forgiven. We take a step of faith. We say, God says, call upon the name of the Lord. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible says that if we confess our sins and proclaim Jesus as our Savior, that he will save us. So we put our faith in that, and that is saving faith. Now, here's the problem. That is so vital, it's fundamental, it's foundational, it is the beginning point of our faith life. But many Christians stop right there. They get saved, they exercise faith, and they become a believer, and then they think, okay, that's done, oh, that's it. 
I don't need to worry about my faith life anymore. But the scripture says that the righteous will live by faith. Now, that's different, isn't it? So we need to explore what are other kinds of faith that are mentioned in the Bible. First of all, a saving faith. Number two is faith that's a gift. This might surprise you, but did you know that there's actually a spiritual gift of faith? It's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. In 1 Corinthians 12, we have actually nine spiritual gifts listed there. They are manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit gives to us. All right? One of those is called the gift of faith. And I said, well, how does how's the gift of faith different than saving faith? It's totally different. The gift of faith has nothing to do with your new birth experience. But the gift of faith is a supernatural impartation of faith that allows you to supernaturally have a faith lift that will take you over the top and do whatever it is that God's got you to do. See, we don't just we, we can't just decide when we're going to have the gift of faith. Holy Spirit distributes this and He gives it to us. And we can position ourselves to be recipients of it, for it to work through us. But this generally is used for ministering to other people. Usually the gift of faith is not there for just my need. Usually it's to minister to other people. And here's what the gift of faith does. Um, the best way I can illustrate is this. If, if I've got 25 cents worth of faith, okay, so I'm at a 25-cent faith level, and I'm dealing with a 95-cent problem, I'm short. We've got, we got a problem, right? That means if Jesus has told us the principle, be it unto you according to your faith or in direct proportion to your faith, and if you've got a quarter worth of faith and you're trying to deal with a 95-cent problem, you got, you're short. So guess what? God does. In certain situations, he's sovereign. He does this as he wants to. He will impart to you and through you a supernatural manifestation of godlike faith that will just be like this supercharger, turbo boost, that boosts your faith up to whatever level it is that you need at that moment, and you're able to act in the name of the Lord. You act as his representative, and you're able to do amazing, extraordinary things. Why? Because you've got this super boost of faith all of a sudden. Literally anything is possible with that kind of faith level. Now, that's pretty cool news, isn't it? Oh, and it's great. Listen, when you experience a gift of faith, you're like, wow, this was like being Superman temporarily, temporarily. Because that's the only bad news about it, if there is any bad news, is after you're done doing whatever it is that God's called you to do with that gift of faith, you go back down to your normal, normal self. All right. So, but man, it's cool to operate with a gift of faith in a certain situation. All right, so that's the gift of faith. The third kind of faith that we see in the New Testament is the fruit of faith. Or I like to call this um, the, the faith to live by. It's the, it's the faith that we need to, that we depend upon on a day-to-day basis. In Galatians chapter 2, many of you know this, there is a list of what we call the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are characteristics of Jesus Christ that when he comes to live in our hearts, he wants us to grow this fruit and includes things like what? Love, joy, gentleness, patience, etc., etc. These are all growing parts of the fruit of the Holy Spirit 
And guess what one of them is? Faith. Now, some translations of Scripture will actually change the word to faithfulness. But a good examination exploration will show you that a a better translation of the word, which is clearly a, a word that is translated in many other places, just faith. I'm not saying that faithfulness shouldn't be a good characteristic, but I believe that this is properly translated faith. So one of the fruit of the Spirit is faith. Now, just like the rest of the gifts of the Spirit, faith, I'm sorry, fruit of the Spirit, faith, like love and joy, etc., need to be growing. This is faith as a fruit. What's the difference between a gift and a fr- and fruit? Gifts are given. Fruit is grown. Isn't that the difference? You know, you know if, you, if someone gives you a Christmas gift, it's boom, it's instantaneous. It's just yours. But if you say, you know, you're trying to buy this and you've got to save money and work for it and develop it, that's different, right? That, that, that happens over time. So faith is not only can be a gift, but it's also a fruit. And it is the faith to live by. And it is something that we are responsible to develop in our life, as we will see. All right? So those are the three kinds of faith. So I'm going to focus on the fruit. So today's message really... I just that's background. I just want you to focus on faith as a fruit and what it is that we need to do with it. Now, I need to establish something that's very, very important about faith. Let me, let me just read a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going to really hone in on one. The Bible tells us uh, in Romans chapter 4, it's speaking about Abraham, and Brent Lucy preached on this the other week. It says, Yet with respect to the promise of God, He, Abraham, did not waver in unbelief, but he did what? He grew strong in faith, suggesting what? Over that 25 years from the time that he had the promise from God till the time he received his son, that was a miracle son, what was he doing? He was growing in his faith during that time. So here we see that faith is something that grows. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15, Paul was commending the church at Corinth, and he said, as your faith is continuing to grow. Suggesting what? What kind of faith is he talking about? He's not talking about saving faith. He's not talking about the gift of faith. He's talking about the fruit of faith. As your faith is continuing to grow. 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, he's commending the church at Thessalonica, and he says, we ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, And rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. It was important enough for Paul to notice your faith is growing. It's not like it was a couple years ago. Y'all are doing great, man. Keep it up. Keep growing your faith. And then he adds love, too. So we're seeing what? Faith is a substance that grows. Hebrews 11 says what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are invisible. So now let me tell you a story. Have you go to your scriptures, and you can follow this with me because this is going to rock some of your world. All right? It's also going to set some of you free. The scripture tells us in Matthew's gospel. Uh, I don't think I have it on the screen. So I believe this is, uh, I believe this is Matthew. Uh, trying to see where my text is. I believe it's Matthew chapter 12, verse 14. Someone can verify that for me. All right, here's the story. I'm going to read it starting in verse 14 through verse 20. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. 
saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. He said he has seizures and he's suffering greatly. He's often falling into the fire or into the water. Verse 16, I brought him to your disciples. So this guy's appealing to Jesus. He said, I brought him to the disciples. They couldn't help him. They tried. They couldn't heal him. And then Jesus says in verse 17, you unbelieving and perverse generation. Ooh, that's pretty strong, isn't it? He said, how long do I need to be with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Verse 18, Jesus then rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that very moment. Then the disciples get this picture. So that happens. Then the disciples later, they're alone. They came to him in private and said, Jesus, that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, that was really embarrassing. And they said, why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we drive out that demon and heal that boy? We tried. Why couldn't we do it? And listen to what he said. He said, because you have so little faith. Did someone confirm that I'm in the right chapter? Thank you. Matthew 17. I repent. Matthew 17, 14 through 20. Matthew 17, 14 through 20. Listen to what he said. Now focus on verse 20. He said, here's his answer to their query. Why couldn't we do this? He said, because you have so little faith. Truly I say, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be done. Can, can we just, we need to just camp out here for a moment. So the disciples said, you know, we've been trying to do what you told us to do. You gave us authority to cast out demons, and so we've been casting out demons, and people being healed, and stuff's been happening. But this one was tough. We tried, and it didn't work. Why? So Jesus has answered. So Jesus delivers the boy and heals him. So Jesus' answer to their question is this. The problem was your faith. It wasn't that you didn't try. It was the level of your faith, the size, the, 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 um, the smallness of your faith is why you couldn't heal this kid. So Jesus is attributing the reason that they couldn't cast the demon out that resulted in healing. And in this particular case, a physical disease was caused by a demon spirit. All right? Not every sickness and disease is caused by demons. Are y'all hearing me? Don't you walk out of here telling anybody different, all right? Not every sickness is caused by demons, but there are spirits of infirmity, and they cause people to be sick, all right? In this case, Jesus was going to the root issue. He was going to heal the young man, but how did he do it? He cast the demon out, all right? Why could they not cast the demon out? Because they've been successful casting out demons for a while now. Why couldn't they cast this one out? He said, because your faith is too small. So here's the principle. This is really important. When Jesus gave authority to his disciples, and by the way, when he was ascended to heaven, he said, all authority has been given unto me on heaven and earth, and now I'm giving it to y'all. 
So he gives believers, his followers, authority over all the power of the devil. We have total, 100% authority and dominion over Satan and all of his activities and all of his demons right now, today, you and I do. But let me ask you a problem. Why is there so much demonic activity going on? If we have 100% unquestionable, non-negotiable authority over demons, why do demons harass Christians so much? And why aren't we, today, instead of meeting, we could be in a Sentara clearing out the hospital? Because that authority is governed and leveraged by your faith. So, authority is up here, but I can only use as much of it as I've got authority to leverage it. Does that make sense to you? So, it's like this. It's like a bus or a truck that has the capacity to go 100 miles an hour. But the school district said, we don't want our bus drivers driving our kids 100 miles an hour. So, they put on the, they put on the bus what they call a governor which limits the acceleration of the bus to 50 because they want them to go faster than 50. So even though the bus or the truck can go 100 miles an hour, they have it governed where it will only go 50 miles an hour. Am I right? Your faith is the governor on your authority. The the, The less faith you have, the less you can accomplish in the spiritual realm, the less extraordinary things you're going to do the less of God's promises you can appropriate for you and others, the greater your faith is, the more you can accomplish. Am I making sense so far? Now, watch the rest of this verse because this is where everybody trips up. The correct translation says this, and the NIV messes this up, and I normally use the NIV in my preaching. The NIV says, Jesus, quoting Jesus, if you just have faith that is small, as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and it will be. Right? And most of you, if you were quoting that verse, that's probably how you would quote it. The scripture doesn't say that. Literally, it says this. If you have faith as a mustard seed, not as small as, but just faith as a mustard seed, then you could literally move a mountain which he's using analogy that's kind of like a blow-your-mind metaphor, right? Move a mountain? My faith could actually move a mountain from there over into the sand. Come on, who could do that? Jesus could. See, that's, that's only something that God could do. So what he's doing is he's trying to teach us a principle of how faith works. And he's saying, he's not saying, faith. you need to have real little faith. This is the way most people always teach this. And if this is how you've believed it, I don't want to offend you at all, but I've heard it this my whole life, and I'm absolutely convinced it's wrong. So I'm just going to get out there on it, okay? This is the way people teach it. All you know, all you need to do is have this little tiny mustard seed because, you know, mustard seed is the tiniest seed on earth, and it is. But all you got to do is have this little bit of faith, and we have a big God, and all you need is a little tiny bit of faith, and you can do anything wrong. Wrong. Can't be done. He's not trying to teach it that way. 
He's saying if you have faith as a mustard seed. So he's trying to give us an interpretation principle. And in Matthew chapter 13, he explains the, the principle of the mustard seed by doing this. He said, like a mustard seed, that is the smallest seed on the earth, but when it grows, when it grows and is fully grown, it is among the largest trees, and even the birds come and rest in the tree. So what is he pointing out? What, how do we interpret this passage, Matthew 17, in light of his interpretation in Matthew 13? We interpret it this way. Jesus is trying to tell us it's not about the size of it. Uh, it's not like it can be really tiny and you can do anything. He's saying the growth potential of the mustard seed is what you need to focus on. The fact of the matter is that a seed is a beginning point, and it's to grow and grow and grow and has the capacity. If your faith was fully developed, fully grown, and none of us in the room have that, all right? None of us here. The Jesus operation of faith was at full capacity. Okay? If we had faith that big, that significant, that large, then we could even move a mountain. Doesn't that make more sense? So I'm real simple. And so to me, I have to put it in terms of like currency. All right? So if you have a quarter's worth of faith, and you're trying to deal with that 95-cent problem, you're short. So the idea is I've got to increase this 25 cents. And I'm going to be more effective in tackling lower-level problems and challenges in life because my faith needs to grow up to that. Okay, So what we have to do is increase the 25 cents. So the idea is if I had a dollar, let's just say a dollar was full capacity faith. If I had a dollar worth of faith, I could do anything. I'm not there. And the point he's trying to make is, folks, he's saying to his disciples, guys, the reason you couldn't leverage that authority over demons is your faith is too small. And he actually, later we see that he rebukes in the case of the storm when they're on the Sea of Galilee, he rebuked them again for what? Your faith. It's too small. So if Jesus was observant to the point of rebuking his disciples when they didn't have big enough faith, don't you think we need to figure out, okay, faith is a growing substance. It's repeated throughout Scripture. We see it's something that grows. And he's rebuking his disciples when they don't have big faith, when they have small faith. So we ought to be able to put it all together and say, okay, then faith is something, my faith, the fruit of faith is something that grows. And it needs to grow. And I need to do everything I can to position my faith growth to where I can be used of God in a greater way to bless others. And I can tap in and appropriate more of the promises of God for my own life. Would you agree? So where do we go from here? Well, the first place is we're going to talk about growing our faith. Where do we get it to start with? This is, this is good news. When we are born again, the Scripture teaches us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, every one of us has been given a measure of faith. The word measure simply means a certain quantity. So what it's saying is that when 
we begin in our Christian experience as believers, followers of Jesus, he puts on the inside of us, I just like to think of it as a seed. It kind of goes back to the mustard seed. He puts in us a seed. And then from that point on, it's up to us what we're going to do with the seed. Are we going to grow it or are we going to let it stay? Most Christians, many Christians, their faith is so weak. And they frustrate themselves with their prayer life. They get frustrated when they see uh, things in the, in the Scripture. They say, well, it ain't so today. Well, I guess it's just the world we live in today. What I'm saying is because we haven't realized that we need to do something with the seed. Romans chapter 12 said, to each has been given a measure, a seed of faith. Now, again, I'm going to relate this to something that I can connect to. I, I love, I shouldn't, so I'm confessing sin here. But I love sourdough bread. Oh, come on. Come on, put sourdough bread in front of me. I cannot resist it. Okay. So there was a time that Carrie and I would have sourdough starter in our refrigerator. So to make sourdough bread, you can't make it without starter. The little jar of, of, the, of the starter is the, is the yeast that you use to make the bread, but you've got to keep starter around. And so starter, if you have starter, you can make sourdough bread, loaf of sourdough bread. But you can't make it without starter. It's the same way in the faith life. You've got to have the starter. So the starter is that initial deposit of faith that God puts on the inside of every single one of us here who love Jesus, you know Jesus personally, then you have a seed of faith already in there. Now, what you've done with it, I don't know. How you've developed it, I don't know. But you at least have a measure to start with. Each of us has that. So that's our starting point. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got a seed of faith. Just to turn to your neighbor and say, you've got a seed of faith. All right. Now, now that we know we've got something in there to develop and to grow, Right? Now, now's the, now's the day-to-day challenge of growing it. So I'm going to give you some guidance, some guidelines for growing your faith. Five of them. You ready for these? All right. Number one, number one, feed yourself on God's word. Why should we do that? Because Romans chapter 10, verse 17 tells us how faith comes. Faith, Romans 10, 17, faith comes. Just stop right there. Faith comes. Faith is going to increase. I get more faith. How? Faith comes by hearing God's word. Doesn't come from watching TV. Doesn't come from reading the news. Doesn't come from gossip. Doesn't come from Facebook. Unless it's God's word. God's word builds faith. There's only one kind of food that faith grows on. You can't, it's not a crazy diet. It's one thing God's faith in us will grow by, his word. Now, the problem is most Christians are starving their faith. I mean, they just don't have, there's just not enough for the faith. The faith can't grow. Faith can't do anything. It's still stunted. It's still declining. Stagnant, why? We're not feeding it. So how do we feed it? God's word is so important. Faith comes by hearing God's word. 
So your time in God's word is critical. Reading, listening. Hey, find a way to listen to God's word or you're driving to work. Uh, find, find ways that you can listen to podcasts. If there's good teaching of God's word, build yourself up with God's word. It's going to cause your faith to start to spring up and grow. But not only will faith grow by reading, taking in scripture, but also... The next point is develop your ability to hear God's voice. God, not only his written word is the most important uh, food, but faith will also come if you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, the challenge here is to develop your ability to hear it, right? But when you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, faith will come. Faith will come. So as you're hearing uh, the Holy Spirit speak to you about something, faith, there's a corresponding faith. So for years and years and years, I wanted, I've done a lot of, you know, international ministry over my 45 years of, of ministry, but I never went to China, never went to mainland China. And I knew it was a matter of God's timing. So a year, about a year ago, a little bit over a year, year and a half ago, God spoke to me and said, it's time for you to go to China. So I knew the voice of the Lord. The Lord spoke to me. It's time for you to go to China. And I'm thinking, oh, man, that's, that's, that's going to be a costly trip. And that's going to require this, 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 this. But it was like the moment that I had a word from the Holy Spirit, he spoke to me, a rhema word. Immediately, my faith, I didn't struggle with it at all. I knew. If, if God's telling me it's time to go to China, he's going to pay the bill. He's going to open the doors. He's going to give favor. He's going to give the anointing. Everything's going to work out, and it did. So this year, earlier in March, I went to China for the very first time. And God took care of the needs. He paid the expenses. Everything happened. Why? Because my faith leapt. When I had the word from the Lord, faith comes by hearing God's voice. All right? So the written word, the most important, and then learn to develop your hearing because faith will also come that way. Number three, confess and declare God's word. So once you begin to feed yourself God's word, you're meditating on it, you're reading it, you're studying it, you're digging into it, you're grasping it, and you're, and you're taking the available opportunity for every time that there's good Bible teaching going on, you're just trying to immerse yourself in the environment of the word, then what you need to do is start speaking it. Now, you remember I said that that's one of the characteristics of real faith, right? This is what's interesting about confession, putting in other words, putting Scripture in your mouth, putting God's Word in your mouth and speaking it over your situation. Right. It is not only a way to release faith, and faith acts that way, but it's also a way to build it. So one way to build your faith is to take God's Word, put it in your mouth, and start speaking it over your situation. So if you struggle with fear, See, you know, I'm just gripped by fear. I don't know how to deal with fear. I'm always afraid of this, this, this. Guess what? Get into God's Word. Find some scriptures that are undeniable promises about fear. For example, Psalm 27 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? I don't have any reason to fear. The Lord's my light and my salvation. New Testament says, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. New Testament says, perfect love cast out all fear. So what am I going to do? I'm going to take those verses and put them in my mouth. So I'm getting them into my heart, trying to get them down into my heart. So I'm speaking with my mouth over my life every day. God, your word says this about me. Yes, sir. 
This is what it says, and I'm declaring it. Listen, that principle of declaration, articulation, works whether it's fear, depression, anxiety, whatever challenges you have. Speak God's promises over your life, your marriage, your family. Stop speaking the doubt and the fear and all the other stuff and start declaring God's word. Um, I'm going to tell you a 60-second illustration. It's just going to take me two minutes past my, my time. I had a friend years and years ago. His name was Gary. He was an evangelist, great man of God. And he told me this story, and I, I was just like, wow. He had this growth that developed on his head, on his forehead. And it was very visible. And uh, he went to the, his doctor, and the doctor said, well, you know, it doesn't look like it's a problem. They did a biopsy on it. He said, but, you know, at some point, if you want us to take care of it, we can, you know, we can set you up and do surgery and cut that off. He said, okay, I appreciate it. So he decided he was just going to believe God to get rid of it. So I'm like, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I just go to the doctor and get it cut off, you know. <laughs> but he was, he was a real radical dude, you know. So he said, man, I'm just going gonna, gonna to just believe that God's going to heal me from this growth. Now, that's a real tough one because every morning when he's looking in the mirror, <laughs> he's seeing that growth, right? So, boy, this really makes believing in spite of the way things are. That really makes it hard, right, because he's seeing it with eyes every day. He, every day he'd wake up, he'd shave, and he'd see that growth. And he said, what I began to do, he said, I just get, God gave me two or three scriptures. And he said, I began to speak those scriptures every day over the growth. And, he just, and then he would say the scriptures, and then he would just declare by faith, in Jesus' name, I curse this growth, and I command it to fall off. He said he did this for 11 years. I said, was it growing? He said, no. <laughs> wow, by that point. He said, no, it wasn't growing, but it was, very, it was very visible. He said, every morning. He said, so it became a real discipline. Every morning when I'm you know, in front of the mirror and I'm brushing my teeth and I'm shaving, I speak those scriptures, confess those scriptures, and I speak to it. And I said, in Jesus' name, I curse that growth. You're falling off in Jesus' name. To the point that it was just so regular, confessing the word and making that declaration, that he said, I actually forgot about just I just did it. It became a habit good habit right so he just he said it was a habit he said all of a sudden one day i wasn't even thinking about it he said i just got through saying the scriptures and then he said i curse it in jesus name command it to fall off he said all of a sudden he said it was like it just popped and it literally just like 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 popping a zit just i know that's gross i'm sorry <laughs> just just literally fell off of his forehead and fell into the sink the cyst just came off, and I just, it was like he'd been doing it 11 years. And, of course, you know, he just had a little praise time right there, you know, thanking Jesus for, for doing it. But it taught me the principle that that dedication to confessing and declaring God's word built his faith to the point that then it was simply a matter of what was invisible then becoming visible. Number four. Use your faith muscles regularly. If you want your faith to grow, we have to use it. I read a book many years ago called Use It or Lose It. The whole point was if you don't use your faith, it's like a muscle. You don't use the muscle, what happens to it? Atrophies, right? 
Same with faith. If you're not actively using it, stretching it, add a little bit more weight. It's a little painful. Go through it. But use it. Exercise those muscles. They get stronger and stronger and stronger. So find opportunities to use your faith. Let me just give you one warning. The first five people that when I was 18, the first five people when I decided that, you know, God's word was true and he wanted to do certain things supernaturally, I prayed over five people. All five died. First five people I prayed for died. It's not a good way to start. I, I, I became convinced I probably don't have a healing ministry, John. Yeah, I probably don't. But the first five people I prayed for died. And then I said, you know, I think I'm going to start small. So I'm praying for terminal cases, you know. So I kind of backed up a few steps, and I started praying for things that were a lot more, you know, a lot more 15, 20 cent issues rather than up here. You know. So I began to pray for those, and then I began to find the more I began to use my faith, the more results I began to see. And I found that God developed my faith in certain areas. The areas where I use my faith the most is the areas that my faith is the strongest. There's some areas I don't use my faith enough in, and I find my faith really weak in those areas. So this is an important guideline for growing your faith. Number five, plant it in the right environment. Last point, plant it in the right environment. Listen, some of us, we hang around people. We spend our time with people that are so full of unbelief worry, constantly negative, constantly denying what the Word says, and, and, and they surround us with all this stuff, and then we wonder why our faith isn't strong. Uh, you know, I, I just encourage you, find some people that you're close to. Hang out with some people. Go to a journey group where there's some people who can believe God, whose faith is strong and developing and growing, who are willing to say, I'll stand with you. Listen, Sometimes I'm around so many people that are negative, I'm like, God, just give me some can-do people. Now listen, we're a can-do church. And a can-do church that's based on Bible faith says, we're going to take a step. We're going to stretch. We're going to believe God to do big things. That's can-do. But if you're around people that are always can't-do, 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 your faith will be stunted because of that environment. So plant the seed in the right environment. Stand to your feet. So I've been talking with you this morning about what? Growing and increasing your faith. It is a substance that grows, but we've got to do something. We are responsible for the development of that seed. And all of us need it to grow. If you this morning want to pray with me about this, I'm going to invite our prayer teams to come forward even right now. And they'll be positioned here to pray and agree with you. If you have any personal needs and you want agreement, that's what they're here for. If you don't know Jesus personally, then you come up and they'll pray with you. And today, you'll be born again. But I want to pray for everyone right now who says, Bobby, I'm struggling in this. I have an area that I know about that my faith is stunted in and I need it to grow. And so pray for me that my faith will grow in that area. If you've identified that and you want me to pray for you, just raise your hand. Keep it up. So I need my faith to grow in a certain area. If you identify it, keep your hands up. Father, I'm praying for every hand that's up and those people who recognize, as I do, that my faith needs growth. My faith needs to be planted right. It needs to grow right. It needs more feeding. So, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our commitments and our disciplines and our habits. Lord, that we would be people of growing faith, that we learn to live, by faith. So I pray for them now. 
And I pray that they be encouraged as they sense their faith on the climb. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm going to ask you to come forward if you need prayer. Uh, I'm going to ask that uh, Glenn Brooks, do you mind come over here one second? I want you just to speak a declaration over our congregation as they leave today, just a declaration of God's best upon them. And uh, we'll be dismissed as soon as Glenn uh, speaks this over you. Father, as we all stand here in your presence, God, we just thank you that your word is true and that we can truly let every man, every voice of doubt be a liar in our life today. I speak a blessing over everybody that's, that's heard this word. I pray that the seed that was planted this morning would find itself in good soil, that we would be good stewards by nurturing that seed, by becoming disciplined, God, to put ourselves in your face and to discipline ourselves to hear uh, what the Spirit of the Lord has to say to us individually, the church of the Lord Jesus. Go, be blessed, and walk in power this week. In Jesus' name, amen.